1: Howdy, listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada, and around the globe. Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Well, you know, we're going to have a kind of a little philosophical show this time for you. We may or may not get to rat-a-tat-tat. I'm sure we'll get to some of it, particularly some economic, shall we say, uh, upside-down news that they are trying to feed you. I'll bring you the actual facts so that you can make decisions on your personal and financial preparedness, you yourself family, etc. But we're going to focus on immigration because it's a mess. I'm going to bring you the history of immigration. We've gone over it in the past, but this will be more detailed for you, at least immigration for the United States. And then folks, if you think it is just The Biden quote-unquote administration, Obama's third term, make sure you listen to those shows a few weeks ago, that is doing this to our country quite intentionally. You will be wrong. And I will explain that to you when we're done with the history as a foundation of immigration in this country. That's right, the rest of the story. And boy, will it piss you off. But it will make you think, which brings us to the philosophy part of this show. Because, you know, folks, to grouse about something and then to continue on with your path as if it's not happening, and to unwittingly or wittingly assist or be a part of the wrong thing that's going on is as bad as doing the wrong thing. And I'm going to have some videos and stories for you on the website, on therightsideradio.com. I'll be referring you to them, and you need to read them. You need to listen to them. There's one particularly powerful one from Neil Oliver, who's an excellent commentator over in Great Britain. I've brought you his stuff before. But it is very thought-provoking. And we'll get into it here as we get into the rest of this story about the invasion of our country at the South and the North Borders. Oh yes, the North Borders too, folks. It's not just the South. But that's what happens when you have powers around the globe that are contemptuous of the common people and particularly contemptuous of Americans. Because we stand in their way. Just like Russia stands in their way, and China, nationalist countries, stand in their way of their hope for profit-creating and power-maintaining globalist theme, shall we say, for all us little common people, you know. But one of the things I want you to remember is that what's happening on the southern and the northern borders, the rest of the story, which is... (laughs) Quite enlightening, as you'll see, around that topic. And the war, quote unquote, in Ukraine and the Middle East, it's all part of a larger design. And if you don't stand up, if you don't fight it, if you don't get involved, if you simply complain to your neighbor, oh, did you see what they did this time? And then go about your business, you are complicit. And it's time, particularly in this election year, because fraud will be rampant, folks. I mean, as an aside, these people are guilty of all sorts of criminal and treasonous acts. I mean, I can go down the list for you. I've done in the past. I don't need to. The black and white evidence of bribery by foreign governments, corruption, election fraud, is right in front of your face. And it's not just isolated incidents. This is a corruption that's permeating every layer of government and every layer of the global cabal which seems to have its tentacles firmly wrapped around most of the Western governments you might note that the governments which are suddenly the enemies of the West Russia and China and etc they seem to be the governments which have resisted those tentacles have said no to globalism has said yes to nationalism that is not a coincidence folks but before we go down that philosophical rabbit hole which is ultra important to you, to me, to our country, to our Constitution, to our freedoms, and to our property, as I'll explain later in this show. Let's do our rant story and our founder's quote, shall we? In keeping with the theme of today's show, how about a quote on the question of immigration from Thomas Jefferson. Quote, I was for extending the rights of suffrage, or in other words, the rights of a citizen, to all who had a permanent intention of living in the country. Whoever intends to live in a country must wish that country well, and has a natural right of assisting in the preservation of it. Unquote. Thomas Jefferson, 1776. Unfortunately, as we will talk about, particularly in the rest of the story today, Many of those who are settling here, and particularly those who are assisting, aiding, abetting, and manipulating the resettlement here, have no such positive intentions for this country. Quite the opposite. And now for our rant story. So I'm back from the Deverstock Stock Show, which was a hoot. It was fun. All sorts of old, old readers and new readers and lots of people jumping up and down for books five and six, and understandably so. My apologies for their tardy delivery but they are on the way folks and if you are waiting for them and you didn't get to see us at the Denver Stock Show please go to the website the publisher's website threadswestseries.com www.threadswestseries.com and reserve it's free it'll take you just a few seconds but it will really help you get those books fast when they come out reserve books five six and seven on that website That helps the publishers plan paper allocations and printing, which are very important right now because, you know, along with everything else, oh, yes, there's a paper shortage, too. But during the course of the show, and I told you last week I had this wonderful reader really go to great lengths to print up and it's big it's 150 page or so kind of family memoir family story which has all sorts of great historical pioneer information in it and i can't tell you how great it is and the other thing that happened is after that show last week i had another reader a new reader who had picked up the books had read either book one or book two or was well along the way and loved them and was so impressed with the history in those books that she was nice enough to bring me in a nice little kind of paper gift bag, two original vintage Zane Grey books. I mean, they've been worn. They're not in pristine condition. But they are truly beautiful. And they are the original hardcovers of these Zane Grey books. And I can't tell you what a treasure they are. One of them even has the book jacket on it. The Writers of the Purple Sage, one of his most famous books. And the other one is Bat Masterson. So this is really, it was like a real treat, total surprise, as was the original gift that a reader brought in. And I just want to say, you know, it's those little acts, right? Those little acts of kindness that we extend to others, particularly unexpected acts of kindness or unexpected, oh, gestures of thoughtfulness that really mean something. I mean, they have a huge impact on people. And they are important to the ebb and flow and association of people with one another. So next time you think about, oh, you know, I have a jar of honey, you know, just take an example. That I should drop off to my neighbor down the street because they like honey and, you know, I got this deal or whatever it happens to be. Do it. That little gesture means a whole lot on a much more important, a much more basic and fundamental level. In your association with those particular people, and with humans in general. And in the coming times that are coming our way, folks, and don't believe all this nonsense. Oh, everything's so great, and it's going to be wonderful. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's not the plans they have for us. And if you didn't learn that during COVID, and during the lies, blatant lies, by omission and representation around the COVID jab, and around the origins of COVID, and around the United States government via Fauci, the NIH, involvement in the creation of these gain-of-function viruses, then I don't know what it's going to take to wake you up. I'm going to bring you a little story before we get into this history. I'm, and if I'm rambling a little bit, you'll have to excuse me, but what we're going to be talking about today is like a huge philosophical subject that you really need to think about. You need to think about it as a human. You need to think about it as a free Person. You need to think about it in terms of the Constitution, and you really need to think about it in terms of your country, your family, your property, and your ability to not just survive, but to survive happily. Let's talk about the history of immigration. This is very brief. I'm just going to hit the high points because you could spend a hundred shows on United States immigration. But in January 1776, Thomas Paine published that pamphlet, Common Sense. And Payne beat the drums, he made the case for a new type of person on the planet, an American, a kind of a conglomeration of Europeans, and not just England as the parent company. That would attract people who were looking for opportunity, who were looking for freedom, particularly religious freedom. In March of 1790, Congress passed the first law about who should be granted U.S. citizenship, the Naturalization Act of 1790, allowed, quote, any free white person of good character who had been living in the United States for two years or longer to apply for citizenship. Now, it's interesting to note, this did not apply to non-white residents. And without citizenship, those non-white residents were denied basic constitutional protections, including the right to vote, own property, or testify in court. In August of 1790, the first U.S. Census takes place and we find that the English are the largest ethnic group amongst the 3.9 million people that then comprised the United States, or should I say, the successors to the colonies. At that time, it's interesting to note that about one in five quote-unquote Americans were non-white. In 1815, peace is re-established between the United States and Great Britain after the War of 1812, and immigration from Western Europe goes from a trickle to a gusher. This shifted the demographics of the United States, kind of like what they're trying to do right now, folks. We're going to be talking about that. This second wave of immigration lasts until the Civil War. From about 1850 to about 1880, the Irish, many of them Catholic, account for an estimated one-third of all immigrants to the United States. In addition, five million German immigrants come to the United States, many of them settling in the Midwest. Bought farms, settled in the cities, started businesses. In 1819, we experienced the first real immigration crisis. So a lot of the newcomers that were coming, they arrived sick. They're dying from diseases and the long journey across the Atlantic. And the immigrants overwhelmed the port cities. New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Charleston. So the United States passed what was called the Steerage Act of 1819, requiring better conditions on ships that were arriving to the country. And, for the first time, the act required ship captains to submit demographic information on passengers. So this is the first federal records on the ethnic composition of immigrants to the United States. In 1849, America's first non-immigrant, anti-immigrant political party, which was called the Know-Nothing Party, interesting, forms as a backlash to the increasing number of German and Irish immigrants that are coming in in this next wave. In 1875, this is after the Civil War, some states start passing their own immigration laws, which precipitated this legal battle which went to the Supreme Court. And in 1875, the Supreme Court declared that it's the responsibility of the federal government to make and enforce immigration laws. In a much bigger context, think divorce. What happens when the federal government doesn't perform its constitutional function? Hmm, we're going to get into that. Then in 1880, we had the Chinese Exclusion Act. So America is like in the middle of the beginnings of industrialization, urbanization. There's a second immigration boom. And between 1880 and 1920, 20 million immigrants arrive. Most of them are from Southern, Eastern, and Central Europe. Four million Italians, two million Jews. And many of them settle in major U.S. cities and work in factories. But in 1882, the Chinese Exclusion Act passes. This bars Chinese immigrants from entering the United States, because beginning in the 1850s, with the advent of the railroads, the beginnings of gold mining, the beginnings of garment factories, many Chinese were attracted to the United States, and many came. And as more and more Chinese immigrants came, there was more and more resentment. Even though they made up only kind of a tiny percentage of the population, like two-tenths of a percent, they were blamed by many for low wages. In the Industrial Revolution, so to speak, that was taking place. In 1891, the Immigration Act of 1891 is passed. It further excludes who can enter the United States. It bars the immigration of polygamists. I don't think they had transgenders then. People convicted of certain crimes and the sick or diseased. The Act, kind of a, a Title 42 way back when. The Act also created a Federal Office of Immigration. Oh, Here we go with an agency to coordinate immigration enforcement. And it began kind of the precursor to ICE by establishing a core of immigration inspectors, which were stationed at the kind of principal ports of entry around the country. In January of 1892, Ellis Island, which everybody is kind of familiar with, opened. And that was the first real organized and complete immigration station. It opened in New York Harbor. Prior to then, most immigrants from Europe, not all, but many, went to New York, but they immigrated to a place called Castle Garden. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal, and obviously, I've done a pile of research on this little series of personal financial preparedness I'm bringing you. And in doing so, I looked at a bunch of precious metal dealers. There's a bunch of them out there. Some are very good, but I think one of the very best... BBB, A-plus rated, five-star rated, is Harvard Gold Group. They have a terrific private direct delivery program, your house, your business, your investment accounts. They can help you set up your investment accounts to hold these metals. I negotiated, by the way, a $250 discount on your first order through them, which I think is kind of cool. And they have a lowest price guarantee whether it's gold or silver, and they will be happy to talk to you about that and how it works. So call them 844-977-GOLD or go to their website harvardgoldgroup.com and use the code REID, Read that's me, to get your $250 discount and some other goodies.
0: Are you a fan of the 1883 miniseries? Then you will love its partial inspiration, Threads West, an American saga, the number one National, Amazon, and Barnes and & Noble best-selling multi-generational epic saga of the American story in the West. Recipient of a whopping 37 national awards, including Best Historical Fiction, Best Multicultural Fiction, Best Fiction Series, Best Romance, and Best Western. You will recognize the characters that live in these pages. They are you. They are us. This is not only their story. It is our story. Threads West is written by Wyoming rancher Reed Lance Rosenthal. Lois Henderson, Chief AD Library Information Services, proclaims fluent and strong, sensual, evocative, and unforgettable. Compared to McMurtry's Pulitzer Prize-winning Lonesome Dove and Michener's Centennial, Rosenthal's epic masterpiece will rival even some of Louis L'Amour's best-loved work. called the Gone with the Wind of the West and Sackett's on Steroids. Get it now. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Kindle, Nook, Audible, or the publisher. ThreadsWestSeries.com.
1: In the end, more than 12 million immigrants entered the United States through Ellis Island between 1892 and 1954. In 1907, excluding the current times, folks, U.S. immigration peaked. 1.3 million people entered the country in 1907. Now think about that. What's happening on the southern border? We're up to like 3 million a year. Oh, okay. In February of 1907, there was immigration laws passed primarily driven by California, of all places, against the influx of Japanese workers that were beginning to come in. Once again, the argument was they were taking farming jobs, they were depressing wages, they were taking uh, positions of Americans, etc., etc., etc. And Theodore Roosevelt, in return for urging San Francisco to end the segregation of Japanese students from white students in San Francisco schools, got Japan to agree to what was called the Gentleman's Agreement wherein Japan was going to limit Japanese immigration to the United States to certain categories of just businessmen and professionals. And then in 1917, we have more restrictions on immigration. The Immigration Act of 1917 established a literacy requirement. (laughs) Good idea. And halted immigration for most Asian countries. And in May of 1924, the Immigration Act of 1924 limited the number of immigrants that were allowed in the United States on any annual basis under a nationality quota. What's kind of interesting, this quota system that developed then, immigration visas could only be issued for up to 2% of the total number of people of each nationality in the United States in the 1890 census. So what that really did, the law kind of tailored immigration from Northern and Western European countries because that was the primary thread of American population at that time. In fact, three countries, Great Britain, Ireland, and Germany, accounted for 70% of all the available visas. It's interesting to note that this law completely excluded immigrants from Asia, except for the Philippines, which at that time was an American colony. And then World War II comes along. So, huge labor shortages, right? Everybody's over the pond fighting the war. And the United States and Mexico formed what was called the Bracero Program, That allowed Mexican agricultural workers to enter the United States temporarily. And the program went all the way to 1964, by the way. In 1948, the U.S. passed the nation's first refugee and resettlement law to deal with all the Europeans that were seeking permanent residence in the United States after the devastation of World War II in Europe. In 1952, the McCarran-Walter Act ends the exclusion of Asian immigrants the United States. From 1956 to 1957, the United States admits roughly 38,000 immigrants from Hungary, and that was after the failed uprising against the Soviet Union back there in those days, and they were the very first Cold War refugees. They would be followed by millions more. In the end, over 3 million refugees from the Cold War antics of the superpowers. The quota system that had been in effect for almost 100 years ends in 1965, The Immigration and Nationality Act, right, completely overhauls the United States immigration system. Instead, the quota system is replaced with seven category preference items, kind of a new system. It emphasized family reunification, skilled immigrants, self-supporting immigrants, etc. At that time, the Vietnam War was like in full-fledged nonsense. So quite understandably, where did most of the immigrants for the next five years come from? Asia, particularly Vietnam and Cambodia. In fact, immigration from those two countries quadrupled in that five-year period. And it was during this time that family reunification kind of as a foundational basis for immigration really took root and you know you've heard those words now folks right you know you get an anchor baby and then you have to reunify with the parents who are foreign nationals etc etc this goes back to LBJ oh a Democrats time in office from April to October 1980 there was this huge boat lift it was called the Mariel boat lift 125,000 Cuban refugees make a very dangerous crossing in very overcrowded boats to arrive on the Florida shore seeking political asylum. In 1986, based on the Democrats' promise to pass comprehensive immigration reform, to limit immigration, and to not try and get citizenship other than through normal processes for immigrants, Reagan, duped by the Democratic Marxists, signs into law the Simpson-Mazzoli Act. Basically, it granted amnesty to 3 million immigrants at that time illegally in the United States. Right now, folks are figuring, don't even count what's going on at the border the last two years. Somewhere between 15 million on the very low and 30 million on the high illegal aliens in the United States. In 2001, Senators Dick Durbin, you know, one of the real shills for open borders, and Orrin Hatch, unfortunately a Republican from Utah, proposed the first It was called the Development, Relief, and Education of Alien Minors, or the DREAM Act. That's where that comes from. And that would provide a pathway to legal status, not citizenship, for what was called the DREAMers. Undocumented immigrants brought to the United States illegally by their parents as children. And then, of course, in 2012, with his pen and his phone, after acknowledging the unconstitutionality of his actions... Barack Obama, whom we're going to be talking about here in the rest of the story, signs the Deferred Act for Childhood Arrivals DACA program. It doesn't provide a path to citizenship. He figured he'd get that done later. Maybe in his third term through Joe Biden. But it shields the dreamers from deportation. And then, of course, from 2016 to 2020, Donald Trump cut the immigration way down. You're familiar with all that. I'm not going to waste your time here. So there you have your little refresher course on the history of immigration in the United States. But here's the rest of the story, folks. You may think that it is the quote-unquote Biden administration, Obama third term, doing this to us. But let me tell you, they're working in close concert with and being aided and abetted by and funding with your money and my money a whole bunch of globalist outfits out there who are should we say, greasing the skids for immigrants from all over the world and particularly all corners of Latin America. And I'm talking about the United Nations and 250, give or take, NGOs that are working with them. This is absolutely outrageous. Who is the biggest contributor to the United Nations? The United States. I mean, the United Nations is worthless, and it is worthless relative to the United States, and it is aiding and abetting the undermining of the United States, just as it is doing and trying to do with the Small Arms Treaty, which I've told you about on countless occasions, just as it is trying to do with its Agenda 2030, and as I brought to you in years past, Agenda 2021. The United States is the enemy of the globalists folks. And when I say the United States, I don't mean the government because the government is sleeping with the globalists and vice versa. They must be all non-binary globalists, I guess. I'm talking about the American people. That would be you and me. They don't want us armed because that could be a problem for them. As I've told you in the past, it is not our safety they are concerned about. It is their safety they are concerned about. And they don't want us growing our own food. And they don't want us producing our own energy. And they sure as hell don't want us maintaining our sovereignty or our borders and what's really insidious about all this is that we that's you and me are paying for it I mean how clever are our enemies to get us to pay for our own demise I have posted all sorts of articles under immigration rat-a-tat-tat family safety terror were applicable on the website in addition there is a really thought-provoking video by Neil Oliver, who is a terrific broadcaster in Great Britain. I've brought you his stuff before. I want you to listen to that whole thing. It's only about 15 minutes. I want you to think about what he's saying. It is what I have told you before. Individually, folks, there are certain things we can do, but collectively, there is nothing we can't do. He uses the analogy of a waterfall starts with one drop of water. Perfect. So let me tell you a little bit about this sordid rest of the story, where all this nonsense is really coming from, as the globalists try and dismantle America, Americans' DNA, and America's Constitution, sovereignty, freedoms, and as I'm going to be bringing you in the upcoming weeks their property rights. That's right. Your property rights are in the crosshairs. And when I say property rights, I mean, I don't mean just, you know, whatever belongings you may have or the money in your pocket. I'm talking about your real estate, your house, your ranch, your farm, your second home, your condominium. They want it. They don't want you to have it. This is part of my financial preparedness series I'm bringing you, but you need to be aware of all the steps that this government In concert with the global governments just as they are in bed together on this immigration treasonous immigration scam they're in bed together to try and divest you of your property and I mean all your property they want to rent to you and they want to give you food and they want to give you your CBDC money that they can control they want it all folks and it's one of the reasons we're in these wars listen to the Neil Oliver discussion that I posted on the website for you. One of the reasons that we're in these wars is that we are fighting countries who don't go along with this globalist trend. Russia is a nationalist country. Russia is about Russia. China is about China. Most of the BRICS nations in fact are about the BRICS nations themselves. They're not globalists. Yes, they may have alliances with other BRICS countries or other countries for their Common welfare, their common defense, their common economic expansion, but they are about them. They are about their country. The Western world has been infiltrated and taken over by the globalists. Remember Klaus Schwab's words You will own nothing and you will be happy. What do you think he's talking about? That means everything you have, they're going to take or they're going to take and redistribute. They may call it reparations, you know, that nonsense. They may call it, you know, equity. They may call it DEI, ESG, whatever nonsense they come up with. The bottom line is to leave you naked. And if you think, folks, that, you, that you're going to ignore this, that you're just going to be quiet like a little mouse and they're going to forget about the fact you exist, you're a fool. You would be the same fool that believe them about COVID and the COVID jab and the safe and effective and the they had the power to do mandates and they had the power to lock you down. They have none of these powers. None of this is true. It's only true and it's only effective if you allow it to be effective. All right, so what am I uh, ranting about here? Let me give you some specifics. So in 2021, there was a big uproar about our historic border crisis and that the United Nations was kind of aiding and abetting the problem by handing out debit cards and cash vouchers. Well, everybody said, poo, 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 poo. You know, all the fact checkers, folks, the same fact checkers that told you the jab was safe and effective and you were going to die from COVID and, you know, whatever else and that there's no election fraud, those same fact checkers said, oh, no, there's nothing going on here. So it got dropped. And there were 21 congressmen who did sponsor a bill. It was actually called H.R. 6155. That would require the United States, who is the United Nations largest donor, that's your money and my money folks, to turn off the taxpayer money spigot. Well, that bill never caught fire because of these fact checkers. You know, because none of this is true and it's all a mirage and don't believe your lying eyes. Well, the fact checkers lied, as the fact checkers do, in accordance with the government, as the government does, and the globalists who do exactly as the fact-checkers and the government does. In other words, they lie, and they lie to achieve an end. So the UN just released, and there's links, by the way, in in the articles I have posted on the website, so you can read it for yourself. The 2024, quote, interagency coordination platform for refugees and migrants from Venezuela, unquote. They call that, by the way, R4V for short. Of course, they have an acronym. Well, this is a planning Document and a budget for handing out, listen to this, $1.6 billion in 17 Latin American countries to get people to come to, furnish travel for, and give money to illegal immigration into the United States. The UN, by the way, is uh, holding hands with 248 non governmental organizations, a number of them, by the way, Soros related organizations, who are giving debit cards, I'm not making this up, to illegal migrants funded by, that's right, you and me, folks, the United States taxpayers. And although the plan, the RV4 plan, kind of tries to get you off the track by naming Venezuelans as the recipients of all this aid and goodies, uh, there's footprints, you know, there's kind of fine print. Uh, Page 14 in paragraph on page 43, just to be exact, which says that the largesse, you know, all our great hard-earned money, folks, as Americans, is going to, quote, all nationalities, quote, and multiple other nationalities, unquote. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal, and obviously, I've done a pile of research on this little series of personal financial preparedness I'm bringing you. And in doing so, I looked at a bunch of precious metal dealers. There's a bunch of them out there. Some are very good, but I think one of the very best, BBB, A-plus rated, five-star rated is Harvard Gold Group. They have a terrific private direct delivery program, your house, your business, your investment accounts. They can help you set up your investment accounts to hold these metals I negotiated, by the way, a $250 discount on your first order through them, which I think is kind of cool, and they have a lowest price guarantee, whether it's gold or silver, and they will be happy to talk to you about that and how it works. So call them, 844-977-GOLD, or go to their website, harvardgoldgroup.com, and use the code REID, that's me, to get your $250 discount and some other goodies. Hey listeners, this is Reed Lance Rosenthal, your host of On the Right Side Radio, and I have a message for you. Do you want a business? Sell a product? Provide a service? Have a message you want to get out? Do you believe in freedom, the Constitution, and America? Here's your opportunity to reach 69 million sets of ears in scores of markets around the country, including five of the top 10 and 15 of the top 50 markets in the United States of America very affordable, very flexible, 30 and 60 second packages available. Give your business a boost and help America get the truth. Call Francis at Media Airtime at 602 300 8250. 602 300 8250. Or write Francis at mediaairtime.com. That's F R A N C I S at mediaairtime.com. Thank you. So, in a nutshell, the U.N. and its partners are spreading $372 million in, quote, cash and voucher assistance and multipurpose cash assistance to 624,300 illegal aliens who are in transit to the United States during the fiscal year 2024. And by the way, this money is all hand it out this is unbelievable as prepaid and rechargeable oh yes rechargeable debit cards and hard cash in envelopes oh that's great and bank transfers and mobile transfers and the travelers folks the travelers you know not the illegal aliens not the lawbreakers but the travelers can use it anytime and for any reason they want so the UN overall in just this year the last few years has been 500 million give or take now now they've tripled it you know now that everything's going so swimmingly well for their plan they plan to spend 1.59 billion assisting 3 million people in 17 countries to illegally invade the United States and then as part of that right because the government is corrupt it is crooked it is anti-American And it is treasonous, only because, let me underline this again, because we allow it to be, because we do nothing. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit, too. But let's continue with the rest of the story. So it seems that Mexico suddenly is doing things to help, I don't want to say stabilize the border, should we say lessen the... Overt impacts on the border, you know, the big mob scenes that draw media attention because this is an election year, you know, it doesn't matter if you can scale it down. So the media doesn't really watch it. People will think it's gone away. And because, you know, the American people are really stupid, the government and the globalists think they won't notice that there's still a bunch of people coming in because there just won't be this like, you know, large groups of 15 or 20,000 congregated around a bridge that uh, some news organization happens to snap a shot from a drone or otherwise and distribute on the airwaves. So Mexico is like holding people and moving people back from the border and moving people from the southern border who are lined up there down to the southern border of Mexico, which I assume they'll just wait there and then come back later. It seems that Mexico has been in high-level talks with the Obama third-term Administration. And it seems that along the way, Mexico said, listen, if you want our help to kind of clean up this mess visually, not really clean it up, just kind of pretend to clean it up for your election so you guys can get reelected because you're nice and corrupt and we want you reelected. We don't want anybody honest in the office of the presidency of the United States or the secretary of homeland security tell you what you just pay us 20 billion dollars and we'll go through all the charades here of cleaning up the mess and then once you're elected you know we can all go back to having fun and partying like we have been for the last three years together because our buddies the cartels you know we got to keep them happy too but to get you reelected, we're all going to stand down and pretend and you're going to pay us 20 billion dollars to do it well We don't know exactly how much they got paid, but they got paid something, and it's a lot of money. And guess who paid that, folks? Oh, that's right. You and I again. That's right. Paying for our own demise. How clever are the globalists, the communists, and the cartels? Very clever. How foolish are we? Very foolish. By the way, to go back to our buddies at the United Nations, just to tell you all the glittering nonsense that they use to prattle what their true intent is. This is why they say they're doing it. I mean, why they say they're helping people break the laws of the country who is the largest supporter of the organization which pays their paychecks. You gotta think about this, it's unbelievable. But you'll love this, quote, to support access to asylum procedures, migratory regularization activities, and socioeconomic integration. Giving immigrants, not illegal aliens, folks, immigrants, the flexibility to cover their expenses and needs they deem most urgent, increasing their dignity and autonomy, unquote. And as for you American people who have gone along with this and funded the government that's funding these organizations, that's defunding our freedoms, well, screw you. And since you're not man or woman enough to stand up and say no, or I will not comply, screw you double, there is a way, folks, to turn all this around. And I'm going I'm to leave you with a little thought here on the conclusion of the rest of this sordid story. And that is none of this works. None of it. No money to the UN, no money to the war machine, no money to the European crooked allies of the crooks we have in Washington, D.C., no money to the United Nations to take away our firearms or invade our country, or to the globalists who spread their poisonous pills around the world if the government doesn't have money. And where do they get the money? Oh, that's right, they get it from us. Do you you begin to see the potential here, folks? Think about the waterfall analogy in the Neil Oliver video on the website, on the rightsideradio.com. A waterfall starts with a single drop. And as you folks probably know, Texas is trying to stop the invasion since the federal government can't do it. The federal government, using our tax money again, goes back to that money thing, folks, is out there ripping down the Texas border improvements, the obstacles to stop the invasion. And a district court said Texas couldn't do that. Or that, should I say, the federal government would be okay to tear down Texas's improvements, which it was doing. I mean, federal border agents were actually out taking down Texas fence, razor wire, buoys, etc. in the Rio Grande. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then an appellate court, I believe it was the Fifth Circuit, said, and I brought that story to you, well, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, said, you can't do that, federal government. You cannot touch the Texas border improvements. And now the Supreme Court, just a few days ago, ruled five to four that the federal government can screw with Texas border improvements. Amy Conant Barrett, a Trump appointee, and John, baby, the Chief Justice, John Roberts, who is, you know, a suspect, why don't we just say, voted with the three liberals on the court saying that the federal government has the right to take down the Texas border wall. Well, I have not read the opinion, so I don't know if it was hinged on a legal technicality, whether they based it on precedent. You know, there was an 1875 case kind of along these lines. I brought it to you in the history of the Supreme Court on the rightsideradio.com archives. So I don't know what was behind Roberts and Barrett's decision. But the interesting thing is, they did not rule that Texas couldn't continue to put the stuff up. So Texas is continuing to put the stuff up. I don't know what the feds are going to do. It's the Texas National Guard. Now Biden is threatening to nationalize the Texas National Guard so that they can't perform what the commander-in-chief of the Texas National Guard, which is Governor Abbott, orders them to do. I mean, it is unbelievable. In the meantime... We have unknown people, people who are not encountered whatsoever, terrorists. Uh, There's a video on the site, and there is a, obviously, a Mid-Eastern guy with a very threatening commentary that you ought to see. I have it under the audio bar, terror, and rat tat tat I mean, if this is any indication of what's coming across the border, one only has to wonder at how little regard, number one, using our money. I mean, in the case of Texas, think about this. They're using United States citizens' money to take down border wall improvements paid for by the citizens of Texas, who are United States citizens. Look, it is time to stand up and be done with this nonsense, folks. They're going to keep doing this as long as we let them do this. There's no accountability and there needs to be. And there is a number of ways to do that, which we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Okay, we're going to have limited rat-a-tat-tat time here, but I do want to bring your attention to some pretty critical stuff. And this has to do with the lies that they continue to feed you on the economy so you've heard all the rosy numbers I've told you about the fact that they quietly readjusted the previous 12 months employment numbers and all sorts of different things over the last two weeks let me tell you some real facts and stats and this video by the way a pinto video is also up under economy family safety rat tat tat so first of all inflation is remember they told you inflation is under control folks inflation is up and this number is woefully short to 3.4%, right? That's up from 3.1% annualized rate just a month ago. Gee, sounds to me like it's going up, not down, even under their manufactured numbers. Core inflation is up to 3.9% annualized, down just one-tenth of one percent in December from November. The Empire Manufacturing Index, I told you last week, been down 14 months in a row. It gets worse than that. Now, we have updated data it is lower than the 2007 to 2009 time period it was down 24 points this is huge drop in november and then 29 points in december it is right now at minus 43.7 remember 50 50 is like stability above 50 you're expanding below 50 you're you're contracting minus 43.7 on manufacturing New order index, down 38 points. These are monumental drops for these indexes, to a negative 35. Shipments, new shipment indexes, right? Manufacturing is making something. Orders is people buying it. Shipments is something getting shipped. Do you see the correlation here? Shipments were down 31 points in the last month, to a negative 31 And as I have warned you, there's a lot of lines converging in the month of March, which is now, folks, just five or six weeks away. We're going to talk more about that next week because I want you prepared. We're going to talk a little bit about, oh, the beginnings of an idea of exactly how we we turn our individual drops into a torrential waterfall because there are ways to do it and it needs to be done because right now, folks, we're getting hosed. And that's no pun intended on the waterfall analogy. And as the final rat-a-tat-tat, I don't have time to get into the details, but there are new articles posted on the COVID page under rat-a-tat-tat, family safety, and I think one or two under the audio bar, including videos. Unbelievable testimony in Congress. And guess what? The big pharma group, it seems they were hiding results very, should we say, non-positive results from their clinical trials of the safe and effective, the most safe and effective injection ever devised by man in the history of the world and the universe. Not so much. There's also been some pretty advanced medical studies that are correlating heart disease and certain other types of diseases with the jab. You need to read those articles, listen to those videos, and For God's sakes, people, don't be sheep. I'm going to tell you a quick little story, and I want you to think about this. And it really goes back to what we've been talking about this whole show. Time to stand up. Time to think for yourself. Time to make decisions. Time to say no. Time to say I will not comply. It's time. This is now. This is the time. You won't have time. There is no tomorrow on this stuff. So a very close person to me lives in a retirement village. And they were the only people in this whole retirement village that didn't take the jab. Well, there's been all sorts of problems down there with people who did. And unfortunately, the residents keep lining up for the boosters. You know, they have a line form for booster number five. And she overheard two gals talking in their community center or office, whatever, a few days ago. And one of them said to the other, you better stay away from me because I'm not feeling very well. I think I have COVID yet again. And the other lady said, oh, no, that's terrible. And the first lady goes, you know, I'm really tired of getting COVID. I think I'm going to have to take another booster just to make sure this stops happening. I want you to think about that. They've had five injections. They're getting COVID. Their answer to getting COVID is, let's go out and get a sixth injection. Okay, hopefully that mentality, which would also extend to all sorts of things like, you know, finances, government money, who you vote for in this election, hopefully that mentality is a really small minority in this country. Hopefully. We're out of time. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Remember, look in the mirror, repeat after me, and repeat it with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do, And we will win. Oh, yes, we will. Keep the wind at your back. I'll talk to you next week.
0: Please remember, if you've missed any shows, go to OnTheRightSideRadio.com. Click on Show Archives and you'll find all of Reed's shows and a terrific array of informative articles, videos, and reference pages. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of On The Right Side Radio with Reed Lance Rosenthal.